This is Alex Moskowitz of the Emery Wheel and Aaron Perlstein of BPA Hoops. You're listening to the Sixth Man Podcast on Anchor.fm. Welcome back, folks, to our third episode of Season 2 of the Sixth Man Podcast, solely focused on the National Basketball Association. So today, we are going to focus on an important element of the off-court brand that the NBA has successfully built. That social media platform, Twitter. The NBA is probably the first sport to embrace Twitter, and the players have maximized all of the marketing benefits that Twitter can provide. They also have sometimes shown their worst qualities on Twitter. I mean, Kevin Durant famous, famously beefed with numerous haters after trolls attacked his game. So can definitely be a place where NBA players get in their feelings. So for this, we're going to bring in our Twitter aficionado, a new member of the Six Man Podcast team, Andrew Geller. He is known as Jellyman amongst his friends. He famous, and he famously said, anyone trying to get blackout drunk with me and go to a kid's bop concert after all the shit is done. So here he is. Hello, Andrew Geller. Hello. Thanks for having me. Okay. So given that you know so much about Twitter, yes. what got you on to this social media platform? What appealed? There were a couple of things. So first off, I talk way too much and no one wants to listen to my shit. All right. I've been told by a lot of people, my roommate, my parents, they're tired of my bullshit. They say, go somewhere else to talk. So I was on, so I actually, the first thing I got on Twitter, I was watching an interview with Riley Reed. And Riley Reed said she's been banned from Instagram and Snapchat, but Twitter let, <laughs> let her be herself. And I said, all right, I mean, if they're going to let Riley Reed be herself, obviously I'm hopping on Twitter. So I originally, I also wanted proof, which I don't know why, but I feel like I just have pearls of wisdom coming out of my mouth and I wanted proof of record that I said that. So like <laughs> I would, so like I started like calling shit, like saying like, oh, like blah, 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 you know, in Super Bowl in like 2040. And if everyone was like, no, you didn't, I was like, here's my Twitter. Like, yeah, I did. And so a mix of Riley Reed and that got me on it. And then basically it was just like, even my bio, it says just a kid saying some random shit. That was basically, that was basically what it was. And so anything that like popped in my head, like a lot of these tweets are from four in the morning. Like, like this one was from two 30 in the morning. Coronavirus seriously has me in my bag. It's like getting a handy in cargo shorts. You don't notice it at first and it feels fine, but it slowly kills you inside. And so that, and then I, I hashtag remember nom and it's clipped, which makes no sense. What like, I don't know what those hashtags have to do with getting a hand job in cargo shorts, but that's, that's what I tweeted. That's what I was vibing with. So obviously now we understand what you love so much about Twitter. Allows you to speak your mind and pontificate to, to your listeners and your followers. So Given, given all that, um, we were looking at some trending Twitter topics, and we'd like to get your take. So one, one Twitter topic that you know, was very interesting to us was a barstool poll about America's favorite fat food chains based on 2020 data and the Public Information Statistics Society. And it didn't, it didn't add up. So 
New York was listed with Sabara. New Jersey, Olive Garden. Uh, Aaron goes to Tulane. Louisiana, Popeyes. That makes sense. That makes sense. That checks. But Georgia, KFC. So I just want to get your take on this Barstool poll. All right. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at it now. So I lived in New York. I still live in New York. Been there for 19 years. Have never once been to a Sabaro. Never. I would have said Chipotle. I feel like that's more on you. I, w- I mean, it could be. But I'm saying I would have said Chipotle, McDonald's. I mean, the only thing I know about Sabaro is that it's apparently Michael Scott's favorite spot to go <laughs> in New York. And yes. he claims it's a, it's a local spot. <laughs> even though it's clearly a chain. But that is all I know about. That one's probably on me. But then Olive Garden. Well, here's another thing, all right? What do you consider fast food? Which is another right. thing I don't like about this poll. I would not say Olive Garden is fast food. I'd say it's like fast casual. I agree with that. Definitely. I think somewhere you have to sit down like Olive Garden is not fast food. Yeah, I'd say like I think of fast food as like Popeye's, KFC, Chick-fil-A. Like stuff with a drive through for sure is fast food. I would right. not say Chipotle's fast food. I would not say Olive Garden's fast food. Like Dude, fast Chipotle food. is definitely fast food. No. No drive through Nah. I use drive through as the standard. Mickey D's, got a drive through for sure. You get greeted by Ronald McDonald when you get your food, for sure. Like, that is a fast food place. And, I mean, they have the option, if you want to go on the slides, it's a oh. huge perk of going to McDonald's. Well, I went – here's the thing. I was super fat when I was younger, right? <laughs> Combination of a lot of different things. My exercise was those jungle gyms that are now – Almost extinct, but that's what I would. I would go to McDonald's, shove down like sixteen nuggets, <laughs> and then just run up and down that jungle gym. Those were that was the time. I loved that. They say if you if you played on that, you're uh, coronavirus. Like you you already have the antibodies. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even if I did. Or if you were, or if you were at the subway. That's true. No doubt. Both good but, ones. But you know what sticks out for me is Georgia being with KFC. And I didn't include this, but Kentucky's is Long John Silver's, not Kentucky Fried Chicken. How can that be possible, dude? Chick Fil A was founded in Georgia. I'm I'm more the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. It's not the KFC Peach Bowl. No, I know, and KFC was founded in Kentucky. Same thing. But I'm saying I'm more surprised. The Long John Silver's surprised me, but not as much as the Chick Fil A in Georgia, just because Georgia has the most chains of Chick Fil A founded there, and I mean. It's, I think, in my opinion, it's one of the most popular fast food chains. So it only makes sense that it'd be the most popular for the place it was found. That doesn't make sense to me. I agree. And the quality is elite. It is one of the only fast food chains that I actually go to. And, I mean, this, the, the spicy buffalo chicken sandwich is, is incredible. They're all winners. I, I, all I the Asian sauce. The sauces are immaculate. I mean, there's nothing better. Everything down to the sauces and the lemonade. Oh, that's the facts. Lemonade. And it's free. Is it free? You can get it with a meal, too. Yeah. It's not extra. Which yeah. Is, it's a big perk. No, yeah. <laughs> Lemonade's huge. Okay, so the next second the, – sorry, the second trending Twitter topic that we're going to discuss today is UFC. So, obviously, UFC announced today that they're hosting a fight island uh, in Abu Dhabi an island off of Abu Dhabi. Looks like a cool model. They haven't produced any actual pictures, but they posted 
a visual representation of what it will look like. But within the UFC and the fighters, Conor McGregor announced his retirement from the UFC for the third time in four years. What's your opinion on that? I mean, I don't know a ton about the UFC. Obviously, everyone knows McGregor. And also, one of my boys is big into it. And I was texting him about it, kind of saying, like, hey, like, did you hear about McGregor? And he's like, yeah, like, it's total bullshit. Like, there's no way. I then also stalked his Instagram page, which is completely unrelated. But he has an adorable son, just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> and he has a dope Instagram page. Um, I heard about the island for a while because of coronavirus. I mean, I don't know how much that costs, but that's so dope, especially considering that quickened sports getting back to reality. But my question is, like, how many, like, how many times can a fighter fight, like, consecutive? Like, they can't fight twice every five days. Like, if you had a basketball island, dude, mm-hmm. you could have those guys play an AU tournament style every single day. But UFC, yeah. dude, these guys, these guys get the the shit beaten, like they get absolutely destroyed. Can they recover that quickly to fight that much, like in order to actually? ensure that fight island is worth it yeah I mean, first off they have so many think about how much the loser gets paid let alone the winner of a fight they're making tons of money now they're gonna lose out on a lot because of no one can go to the island right that's the whole point exactly no fans yeah, yeah. but they have pay-per-view no no that's the whole I know point they make a lot from pay-per-view obviously but i'm saying also those seats in vegas that cost 40 grand to sit in the front row like mm-hmm. that's not that's not hurting them at all. That's how they make some of their money. But, I mean, they got a ton of fighters also. And sure, like, I, I don't know what a good comparison is, but, like, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm not overly worried the UFC is blowing money. Like, I'm pretty sure they can recuperate it and they can get back their money to the point where an island is, like, financially okay. I agree. Definitely, I agree. Yeah. So, third, tw- third trending Twitter topic that was of note to me was that two German soccer players, Manuel, Maui, Manuel Akanji and Jane Sancho, the British 19-year-old star from Borussia Dortmund, um, they were fine for getting haircuts without protective gear. So I was just wondering what you thought about that. I mean, here's, I don't know. Do you know when that was? It was this past weekend that they okay. were fined, and they got the haircuts, I think, maybe a week and a half ago. Because hmm, I know I would honestly, because if there's anything like I know around the time that Italy had that like surge in cases and everyone was like singing from the goddamn rafters and shit like that, like those videos are all over the internet. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I honestly agree with it. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I, I don't know if that's the right answer, the wrong answer, but the U.S. has handled you say, you say that You say their hair is more important than. No, I think they get fine. Alex, so, weren't yeah. you the one, uh, you know, giving me so much shit for saying Germany didn't handle it super well and all this stuff, and now you're getting mad that they find some rich soccer players because they got a haircut? I mean, it makes sense I'm to me. I'm not getting also. mad about it. I'm not getting mad about it. I'm not oh. saying it was justified for them. I don't know why they just wouldn't wear, like, a mask. Like, this isn't some super restrictive material that's really mm-hmm. going to inhibit your freedom like dude wear a mask for 20 minutes get a haircut you protect yourself you protect the barber doesn't make sense i think people are a sick of quarantine all right definitely everyone took it very seriously 
in March, April, I think people are reaching their limit. B, there's far more testing, antibody testing, and we're getting closer to a vaccine. And C, some issues are just bigger than everything. And I think this is one of those issues that are clearly, that, that is clearly more important and needs to have a voice and need, they, Ooh, like, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. I am a hundred percent in support of black lives matter. I just don't understand any of the protesters, whether it was the people protesting the lockdown back in April, whether it's the black lives matter protesters no, or no. anybody not wearing a mask in public. I just don't understand that because I don't, I don't get it either. And that that's a whole different issue. I mean, like it's the same thing with the soccer players. Like maybe they didn't want to wear it. I don't know. But the people protesting the lockdown is actually stupidity. And I tweeted about that. I tweeted about that. If you want me to pull up this tweet, we're talking about trending Twitter topics. I thought that was one of the anti-vaxxers and those people. I literally wanted them all as not harsh as I could say. I wanted them all to die. Because the fact that you have, all right. So, you know, today, <laughs> you know, today um, New Zealand just hit zero cases. Actually, wow, that's yes. crazy. New Zealand has zero cases. and Zero why, active cases or zero new cases? Zero, zero new cases. cases, yeah. Yeah. Zero and new cases? The last person um, recovered a few days ago. Yeah. Oh, so zero active cases. Yeah. They have thoroughly yeah. eliminated the coronavirus. Right. And the way they're doing that, though, is they're doing that because of they're not letting anyone in or out of the country. Mm-hmm. They went on... Like, I, I don't want to get so political, but like Trump, who's so worried about getting reelected and the only platform he has to get reelected is the economy, is not worried about the safety of his citizens. The New Zealand, first off, New Zealand, I'm pretty sure he's the first female prime minister. She is a genius. She shut down the whole country for two weeks, handled it. I mean, she didn't have people pro, like, for example, the tweet I had was, I feel so bad for the people that are protesting COVID and the lockdowns. To be that stupid must be painful. Don't tell me the virus isn't real. It's deadly and has killed over 80,000 people in the U.S. alone. I understand the economy is taking a hit, but lives are at risk, and that's a bigger problem. I agree. I mean, I don't think anyone's defending that it's not a deadly, uh, you know, disease or virus. Um, I think it's more in the idea that um, right now, like, because right now, if we just decide to open up and – start our economy over i think it will take over i think it was six to seven years to get back to where we were right now the government's taking out more debt than taxation that's what they're getting more money from debt than taxation yeah uh there's at some point you need to you know figure out what's what's worth it what's not because right now the bubble the the real estate economy in general it's completely blown and yeah, I mean, New York real estate, which supposedly is always going up and up. It's like most reliable real estate. Rent prices are down 6% and continue yeah. to increase. Right. But so, but I, yes. Here's the thing. There's no dispute. I think you guys would agree. Trump handled it poorly. Like back in, I remember back in March when it was first becoming, or back in February, where it was first becoming a thing. Um, someone said like, hey, you need to address coronavirus. Like we should take precautions. And all he was worried about was the vaping crisis. He ignored it for a month and a half. He literally said to that, he said that person. For vapors like you, that was, I mean, it's fucked. It's clipped. And he literally was like, all I care about is the vaping crisis. And so. It's a real epidemic. 
I don't think he's handled it right at all. <laughs> but I do pods, bro. In my opinion, I think the uh, economy is second to the thousands of people dying. Like, yeah, I get it might take six to seven years, but at some point, if everyone's dead, then who cares if we have an economy? It's a fair point. So, moving on to our last trending Twitter topic. We're talking about donations to the Black Lives Matter protest. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan, the GOAT donated, uh, he's pledged to donate $100 million over the next 10 years. Kanye vowed to pay for George Floyd's daughter's college. And, of course, the K-pop group, B- BTS, donated $1 million to Black Lives Matter. That's, and so, also, pretty sure Floyd Mayweather donated. Oh, yeah, you're right. Floyd so, Money Mayweather, that's true. He um, offered to pay for the entire funeral, right? Yes. But they also, I'm not sure if it's confirmed, but he offered to pay for the entire funeral and they set up a GoFundMe for the funeral that's over at over a million dollars. Yeah, I saw that. Which is crazy. I mean, obviously, rightly so, but I thought, I mean, the community action and the community involvement for this issue should show how prevalent it is and how, like, it's something that needs to be changed. Definitely. Okay. So... Given that we have discussed uh, all, that Twitter, all that Twitter has to offer with our Twitter aficionado, we're now going to get to the debate slate where we will be uh, debating one uh, pertinent trend in the NBA every single week until the season starts where we can really analyze the games. So will the Houston Rockets small ball Become a, dra- uh, become a trend. Aaron, let me hear it. I mean, every, like, I feel like most of our listeners know where I stand. Uh, I love small ball. I think it's, it's a recurring theme that's going to be a big thing in the NBA. Um, if you really look it down at the statistics, uh, they had a higher offensive rating, higher defensive rating when they went to P.J. Tucker at center. Uh, they were 12th in points per game of all lineups that, were, that played 15 or more minutes per game in the NBA. Uh, they're 10th in assists. Uh, I mean, I, those kind of speak volume to me. But, you know, if that really doesn't, you know, if the casual fans don't really know what we're talking about, I even have a video to show you. Okay? So I'm going to share this video. Okay? So did, you see this video, Alex? Right here. You see this video, Alex? I do, I do. Okay, so for a casual fan, first of all, we're looking at this court, right? You're not going to tell me this is exactly what an offense wants. Five, five, five shooters around. And, like, Anthony Davis having to be pulled out of the paint. And if we play it, right? Look. Russell Westbrook, look at that. Look at how much space he has because of all the rotation that a defense has to do with the Rockets. And he gets a wide-open layup. So, okay, that's an example. And now if we get into more statistics, I mean, let's see. They, 48.9% of their shots were threes. 76% of them were assisted. And 58% of all total shots were assisted when they had P.J. Tucker on the floor. Um, They're even less than 10 feet field goal percentage. It went up. They shot six, They shot 4% higher when they didn't have Clint Capella on the court. Um, 
I mean, in the they shot 18% higher in the 24 to 22 second shot clock uh, part of the of the game. I mean, that's exactly what Mike D'Antoni talked about. Um, off, they clearly had more passing where they shot 5% better on uh, no no dribbles after a pass. I mean, that's exactly what you want from a team. I mean, the, the stats don't lie. Uh, they shot increasingly better from three. Um, they had 5% more un, uncontested threes, a wide open three, which is six feet or more by the NBA's definition. They had 4% more when Clint Capella wasn't on the court. I mean, they had then in zero to 12, which is tight defense uh, def- defined by the NBA. When Clint Capella was on the court, 0.2% of their shots were in tight defense. Do you know how many they had when Clint Capella was off the court? Zero. They had zero tight shots. What do you That's have to say interesting. That? It's interesting yeah. data. But you won't convince me. Listen, the Houston Rockets small ball will not become a trend in the NBA. In a game against my horrible Knicks in March, before the coronavirus pandemic and the, the pause of the NBA season, the Rockets actually lost to the Knicks of the Garden. They got out-rebounded 65-34, to 34, gave up 20 offensive rebounds. Listen to this, 56 three-pointers in that game. And their five-out system, listen, it can work in spurts, but ultimately their over-reliance on the three has proved to be a detriment to them consistently. Look, Ouch. you look at their look, listen, you look, you look at game seven of their series in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors uh, two years ago. And they were hitting threes early in the game. But if I'm not mistaken, I think they seven threes. They did. And they lost that game. They just as- that over reliance on the three ball will never lead to winning a championship. And that's ultimately why Daryl Morey makes all of the moves that he does. It's always with that goal in mind. So I I don't believe in it. In their game against the Clippers before before the break, right before the break, they they got blown out, absolutely blown out. They shot seven for 42 from three. They got out-rebounded and... At the beginning, when they traded Clint Cabello, it was paying major dividends. But I think the NBA caught on. They defended the Rockets better towards the end, and they took advantage and abused them on the glass. So the fact that they don't have a traditional big man. I like the four-at-one-in system. I like that system. I really like more threes, more space. But you have to have one big man who can rebound defend the rim, and roll to the basket. So, in my opinion, the Houston Rockets small ball will never become a trend. But, I mean, I just laid it out to you that their defense in, in all got better when Clint Capella was on the court. Like, like, statistically and analytically, for casual fans, whatever you want, it got better. <laughs> their defensive rating was lower. I think that was due to the original bump that they got. But they lost four to their last five before the break. And I, like, obviously you can point 
to the slight increase the slight increase in in defensive rating, but it also doesn't take into account their the fact that they were out rebounded by so much. They were the second chance opportunities a, that they are giving up. That's something you give up for. And in my opinion, you have to of, uh, an offensive rating of one hundred and fifty. That's what you well, give no, up. That was that was with a with a specific. That's with their starting lineup. Only, no, Ben McLemore is not a star. Get that shit out of here. They had the he, same exact defensive rating or offensive rating when they put in um, Donnie Donny House Jr. instead of Ben McLemore. It's okay. Daniel, but Daniels, whatever. Um, <laughs> but the idea that you're gonna just you're gonna nitpick and take their bad games is is not a good reason. I mean, I can nitpick and take 50 bad games for the Warriors, for any team you want to pick, and I can try and show that it's a flawed system. But, I mean, the numbers don't lie. Uh, I mean, that's a big saying in the NBA world, numbers don't lie. Uh, with an offensive rating that high, um, they their defensive rating went, was lower. They clearly figured out, if you, if you saw a video of how they play defense, it's a lot more switching. They double the posts. Um, I showed you in that in that video how much spacing they get on offense. Um, they're tenth in assists. I mean, it's exactly what you're looking for in an offense. You're exactly looking for you know that kind of <clears throat> offense against some kind of movement defense that is consistently spot up shots, consistently quick spot up shots from deep. From you know, they shot better in the paint than they when they had Clint Capella. I mean, what do you have to say about that? Like, all over the court, they were more efficient. Yeah, they might have had a bad stretch down to the down the end of the game. But for people saying that this won't work in the playoffs or whatever, I just don't get that at all. I mean, There's no the basis Rockets, to say that it's not going to work. The Houston Rockets will not get past the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. I but disagree with that. Yeah, they, they play the Nuggets, then they play the Clippers. So obviously there that's is, a hard you, you look at the games that they played against the Clippers. The Clippers were one of the teams that they played, and that was the game that I specifically cited when pointing out why their small ball won't become a trend. Because they rely on the three so much and they got blown out when they weren't hitting the three. Yeah. Against that happens. The I mean, that's what everyone teams do. The Clippers game plan doesn't number. work. The Clippers you lose. have better the, the Clippers have better all around players at every position. Other than point guard, other than point guard, sorry, other than point guard, they have better players. I think for their shooting guards, Paul George. Their shooting guards better than Paul George. James Harden. Yes, but not, but not by a significant amount. I mean, Paul George is an absolute stud. Okay. Incredible defense. He's a better. James Harden's averaging thirty points per game again. I mean, Harden's a fantastic player, but he, he is hard to measure just because of the volume that he uses to get those 30-plus points. I just, like – He's hard – It's hard to like, imagine how good he is. Like, I, I don't think you're, you're fathoming how much, like, their offense has, re, like, reimagined offensive systems. Like, would you, do you imagine LeBron James with that much space? Imagine what would happen. I mean, the amount of space, if Russell Westbrook continues, they, they only had, let's see, they only had 10, 12 games after they traded Clint Capella with that lineup. 
I mean, if you really think they're going to get a, all that fluidity in 10 to 12 games, that's absurd. I mean, these crazy but, but statistics thing, of 12 no, they, games they have, is listen, insane. Listen, they had 17 games, and they only lost two of their first 12. But of the last five, it, it was funny. They had better chemistry, like, in the games, in the first games after than towards the end, when I think NBA teams kind of figured them out. And allow them to I wouldn't, a bunch of I wouldn't attest that to figuring it out. I would attest that to an off game. Your game plan doesn't work. You're but not they lost four threes. straight, though. Okay. And that happens to teams. I think they lost to the Suns. They lost to the Knicks. They lost to the Clippers. Dude, those are ha- three really shitty teams. Though. That happens to teams. I, I don't think that – right. That frankly decides that they can't be – not really good teams. Not really good teams. The good team. Can't, you're a good team. But that – Five out system. I think you need a rim projector, in my opinion, or but that's the whole thing. Or a player, or a player backers. like, or a player like, like you look at the Warriors. They use the small ball, the five out system, like incredibly. That was their death lineup with Iguodala, Curry, Thompson, Green, and Durant. But here's the thing with that lineup: you have a revolutionary player in Kevin Durant, who's seven feet, can shoot the ball and can block two-plus shots per game. Then you have Draymond Green, who is big enough to guard a center and rebound with the center, and can also bring up the ball. So that's why their small ball lineup worked, in my opinion. The Houston Rockets don't have those types of pieces. I disagree. I think the biggest piece that they got in the trade deadline was Robert Covington. I mean, the guy can definitely defend he can definitely defend at a crazy basis i mean he was all nba uh he made the all nba teams multiple times in the last few years he's shown reason to why he could defend the best player on the other team time and time again i mean james harden is sixth russell westbrook is 10th and robert covington is 14th in steals per game um i'm not really sure robert covington shoots 41 percent from the field overall Okay, I'm talking about defense. So you brought up defense. You can't just decide to bring up another part of the game. But, no, I was also talking about the matchup nightmares that they create on – You're not going to tell me that and, – And here's the thing. Here's what, what ended up happening towards the end. And this is why I say they figured out Houston. Is what they – first of all, they played Westbrook to shoot the jump shot. They allowed Westbrook just one-on-ones all day, and he'd shoot a bunch of mid-range shots. And he'd probably shoot around 50%, but he's not shooting any threes. So you look at his field goals to points, it's not that great. Points per field goal attempt or points per possession. And then they allowed P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington to just shoot a bunch of threes. And Robert Covington is a good shooter, but he's not a great shooter. He's 36% from three. Kevin Durant is historically a way better three-point shooter. I mean, Covington also has limited – he has limited ability off the dribble. And – you look at his volume. Robert Covington's volume went up a ton in those last five games in which they lost four. So, you know, that's, that's, that's my opinion about, about the small ball trend in general in the NBA. You need the right pieces like anything. You can't fit a square peg into a round hole. It's work. And 
I think that's what Houston, the Houston Rockets are doing in an attempt to catch up with the Lakers and Clippers. And in I attempt- think that's a total overblown overreaction just because they had some bad games in the playoffs. I think, I mean, I, I, you can see all the statistics by Kirk Goldsberry, the ESPN writer, of how much the game has changed, how much threes are now just the name of the game. And it's not only the Rockets doing that. I mean, they, sh- they shoot 49 threes a game, yeah, but the second, the Dallas Mavericks shoot 46. Uh, the third, I think it was <clears throat> the Nets shoot 43. I mean, I'm not really sure what your basis of what you're saying is other than you think that they're inferior to the Wizards, the the Warriors small ball, which, yeah, okay. They had Kevin Durant, they had Stephen Curry, like, okay. But the basis that you can get that much spacing, um, I mean, like, it's right here. Uh, they had less tight shots. They had 3% uh, more open shots in all uh, from th- all over the court, not just um, from three for two of the best drivers in the, in the game and James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And then you have shooters that can definitely hit down wide open threes like Robert Covington, PJ Tucker can hit it from the corners. Uh, you get Daniel house, you get Ben Malcolm in there, jo- uh, J- Josh green. Um, you can, Josh green. Uh, Austin, sorry. Uh, you fast yeah. forwarding to the NBA draft. No. Uh, Austin Rivers, um, and then also they have backups. That's the whole idea of Daryl Morey's thought process. Tyson Chandler, even though he is 36 years old, he is a great rim protector. He's always been a great rim protector. That's always what he's been known for. And if you actually go to his stats this year, he showed that he could still be a very viable rim protector. So if things aren't working out, you can put Tyson Chandler into the game. I mean, there's so many different ways around it. And the bro, stats don't lie. Bro, Tyson Chandler is averaging eight minutes per game. 1.3 points okay. per game. Like, dude, don't yeah, bring up not Tyson Chandler when you, you have backup. Dude, he's averaging eight minutes per game, though. Okay. And he's never so? shown an ability to stay healthy, especially the last few years. Like, dude, Tyson Chandler on the Knicks is a good player. Tyson Chandler, seven years later, I'll pass. Okay. So that concludes our intense debate slate. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us discuss Twitter with Andrew Gellert and debate back and forth about the Houston Rockets small ball. So we will see you next time. Bye-bye.